welcome all of you, especially if you're a guest. We're really, really honored and privileged to be with you. Happy Father's Day. Welcome to DadFest 2013. And I just want to tell you that our staff and volunteer teams who go to such great lengths to make a weekend like this possible, they do that because they hold you dads and they hold you mentor fathers and they hold you father figures and grandfathers and on and on it goes in very, very high regard. We hold you dads in very, very high regard. So very, very happy Father's Day greetings to all of you. When we're done in here, would you please head over to the east side of the campus for all of the ensuing festivities. You won't want to miss those under the tents, and so you're all invited. My wife Dana and I got home early this week from spending about a week in the Democratic Republic of Congo. We were visiting our four daughters uh, that we were in the process of adopting, as well as hand-delivering some very critical paperwork to the United States Embassy in the capital city called Kinshasa. Recently, the U.S. Embassy staff there started investigating every single U.S. adoption case before they issue an entry visa into the United States to make sure that no child is being trafficked, to make sure that, no, uh, that every child is being adopted by American families meets the definition of a true orphan. Now, we think that's a fantastic move, a good move, and it's caused a lot of children, like a big, big stack of files of children to be stuck in the adoption process while they wait and wait and wait for their case to be investigated, which is exactly where our case has been for some months now. Our four daughters, they're from a distant village. U.S. Embassy staff have to travel a long way to investigate our case, a trip they don't regularly make. So when we learned... Uh, just a couple of weeks ago that U.S. Embassy staff were headed to our girls' village in June. We scurried so that we could hand deliver our documents so that our case would be included in this week's investigations. They're there right now in our girls' village investigating, hopefully, our case uh, today even, which is a great, great thing. It's a very, very good thing. And we learned later it was a really good thing that we went and did that because U.S. Embassy personnel are saying that they're not going to be visiting our girls' community for at least another six-plus months, which would have meant another six-plus months of waiting until we could bring them home, which would have meant that our daughters would have spent another six-plus months in institutionalized care, another six-plus months of our daughters having no mama, no papa, uh, as they affectionately call us, which, by the way, are the only two English words they know, mama and papa. And I'm telling you, it was an incredible week that we had with our girls. It was an incredible week. Our adoption agency staff delivered our daughters to the motel the day after we arrived, and it was like a buckle-in wild ride starting right then. Our first surprise was that the youngest of our daughters, who we thought was two years old, is actually nowhere near two years old. She might be 18 months old, but that's still not two. The three older girls, they piled out of the car that brought them to us, and we were stunned when the nanny handed Dana this baby, and we looked at her face, and it was like, well, yeah, that's Jenna Rose, but did somebody shrink her somehow? I mean, they shrunk her up, and so we were surprised, and like, oh my gosh, we have like a baby, baby. Oh, Dana was in heaven. <laughs> we took a few pictures just with our phones, nothing uh, really spectacular. That's Mimi right there, and then there's Therese there, and Marie Notice they all have these things growing out of their heads, what the deal is. And that's Jenna Rose right there, little, little pumpkin. And, and just so you know, all we did for an entire week was spend time in our motel room bonding with those little girls. We hardly went anywhere uh, in seven days. I did have to occasionally hire a taxi man, as they call them, a taxi man, they say. 
uh, to get me to the grocery store. I went almost every day so I could get food for all of us to eat. And that was a hilarious deal. So I speak Spanish, not French, which is what they speak in the Congo. So you speak Spanish to French-speaking people, they don't care, you know? You're just an idiot, right? And so I would talk to our motel staff and say, hey, I need taxi man. And so they would go out onto the street and they would bring a taxi man in and they would drive him into the compound and then they would conduct a little interview with taxi man to make sure that he was suitable to take me to the shop right, which is the grocery store. They would trade phone numbers and they were, they were doing this for my safety. They would trade phone numbers with him. They would say, now, do you know where the shop right is? And they all said yes, even though none of them knew where it was. I would have to lead them there. Oh yeah, we know where the shop right is. They did not know. Liars. And then the last thing they'd do before I would get into the car, and this did not contribute to my feeling, my sense of security and safety, is the hotel, motel staff would stand at the front of the car and write down the license plate number of the taxi before I got, and I was like, is this okay? They're never going to find that cab in this city if something goes haywire. Wow. But aside from trips to the grocery store, a couple hours at the U.S. Embassy, middle of the week, we just did nothing else except for spend time with our daughters. One of the things I tried to do was teach our four girls how to say, I love you, mama and papa, in English, you know, sort of gratuitous affection toward us, right? And so here's a shot of how Therese did at that. I I love love you, you, papa. Mama. She doesn't even speak English, so how does she know that's going to be a funny thing to like poke dad and love mom? Yeah. She's a pistol. Teresa's a pistol, by the way. Whoa. Buckle in. And the difference that we saw in them from Monday when they arrived at our motel to Sunday when they had to leave us to go back to our adoption agency's transition house was remarkable. It was just remarkable. It was an incredible week with our daughters, and we had to leave them there. And I think Dana captured it best when she wrote about our leaving. It's been an excruciatingly painful week for me, she wrote. Me too. Overcoming jet lag and a broken heart at the same time has been much, much tougher than I imagined. But at the same time, we're trusting that God will unfold his perfect plan in his perfect timing, which is really well said. And I got on the plane, we got on the plane last Sunday night, and we left Congo with a much deeper understanding of just how much dads and parents matter in the lives of our kids and how much dad figures matter in the lives of all children as a matter of fact dads and dad figures you really really matter and society isn't necessarily telling you that every single day often it's just the opposite isn't it but dads you really really matter not only in the lives of the children that are in your home but in the lives of any child in your life. And you can certainly look at the statistics and you can see that the stats bear out just how much the father influence matters. We know, for example, that children who grow up in fatherless homes are statistically more likely to run away from home. They're statistically more likely to commit suicide. They're statistically more likely to engage in criminal activity, develop behavioral disorders, and even drop out of school. We also know that without healthy father role models, many boys will seek to demonstrate their manhood in destructive and reckless ways. We see that play out all over the place all of the time. But the remarkable influence fathers have on their children as well as the influence they can have on young men through fathers in the field is not just about keeping kids from running away from home, 
from taking their own lives, from engaging in criminal activity, from developing behavioral disorders, or even from dropping out of school. It is about dads so much more than that. Dads and dad figures, you matter so much in the lives of your own kids as well as in the lives of all the children you have the chance to influence. Because at the end of the day, hear this, God intends for you as a dad and dad figure to actually reflect God, his traits, his characteristics, and his ways to every single kid whose life you ever come into contact with. Dads and men, it's as if God has made you and I to be the mirror by which we reflect him, reveal him, and show young people the way to him. That's part of our purpose on the planet, men. And when you read through the book of Psalms in the Bible, it's possible, I did it, to dig out of there a theology of fatherhood and of father influence with God, our perfect heavenly father, as our role model. And so with the time that we have together today, I'm gonna show you men some traits that God is challenging us to reflect to our own children as well as to children we have the honor and privilege of impacting through fathers in the field. And guys, you could sort of see this as a job description of sorts. Even if you're not a father yet, you can aspire to this for your someday fatherhood of what God intends for us in our role as dads and men are fathers and father figures. The first one in our job description is, dads, are you a person of refuge for children in your life? When you read the Psalms in search of this father theology, what you find again and again is that a father is a person whom all the children in their life can run to for refuge. That's you, dad. That's you, men or father. That's you, grandfather. That's you, father figure. God see, designed you as a man to be the very first person that the children in your lives think of when it comes to their covering and their protection. David goes to great lengths all throughout the Psalms to describe his relationship with God in the following terms. He calls God my shield, my refuge, my rock, my stronghold, my tower. You see, no matter what was threatening David, he felt absolutely no alarm as long as his father was his protector. And then look at Psalm 27.1. The Lord is my light and my salvation, so why should I be afraid? The Lord is my fortress, protecting me from danger, so why should I tremble? That translates for us dads that we're to be available to our children available to the children in our world who God has allowed us influence over. We're to be, see, the haven that children in our life freely, quickly, naturally come to for rest and protection. But dads, in order for that to happen, we've gotta spend quality time with our kids. It all starts on this foundation of quality time with our kids. And when we spend time with them, the time we do invest in them, we don't get to be rude or sarcastic or indifferent or passive with them or else then they will no longer perceive us as a place of refuge and security. Just a few weeks ago, Silas, our son, was driving he and our other son, Josh, home and they got into quite a car accident. Corner of Huffine and Ferguson, you know, fast speeds and, you know, it was like, oh my goodness. Thankfully, neither one of them was hurt. The occupants of the other vehicle were not Hurt. Silas's car, however, was entirely totaled. I mean, it was demolished. They called me from the crash scene to ask me if I would come and help them. I was like, sure, I don't know what I'm gonna do, but I'll, you know, I'll come, and so I was on my way. As I drove the 10 minutes or so from our house, dads, you know 
what your natural instinct is in that scenario, don't you? Right, like all the way from my house to the crash scene, I'm sort of rehearsing the lecture that I'm gonna give, right? And, and it goes something like this. You ran the red light. You, you, you mean you couldn't see the light? Really? Yeah, the sun. Oh, the sun. Okay, did you have your sunglasses on? No, my sunglasses are on my head. Oh, okay, sunglasses. Yeah, it's good, you know, down, down here. It's better than up here. Yeah, so I just followed. Oh, oh my goodness. So right, that's our first instinct, like, get this right. But as I stepped out of my car into that scenario, it took me about that long to recognize that our sons didn't need a lecture. They needed me really at, even, at age 18 and 17 to really just scoop them up and say, guys, it's okay. I love you. We love you. We're so glad you're okay. We're really glad that guy in that pickup towing the really big, expensive riding lawnmower that he's okay. His lawnmower is destroyed. <laughs> Trailer's destroyed. We're glad he's okay, right? And all this stuff is just steel. It's just metal, you know, and all very, very replaceable. Cars and lawnmowers and trailers, they can easily be replaced. And that's the kind of response. That's what it looks like for us. I got it right one time. I get it wrong a whole bunch of other times. But that's what it looks like for us to be a person of refuge. And when we are a person of refuge, we, we reveal to our children that we're not a place of scolding or of threats or of belittling, but that we're a place of safety. We're a person of safety. You can come to us with anything, any time. We're safe. Next, God invites we fathers to be a, a friend to our kids. Now, some of us, something wells up inside of us when we see that and hear that. We're like, no, 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 we're not supposed to be a, a friend. And I'm not talking about like a buddy-buddy, you know, like party buddy with your sons and daughters. No, 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 not that. David says in Psalm chapter five, verse three, listen to my voice in the morning, Lord. Each morning I bring my request to you and I wait expectantly. And then you see there's this sense all throughout the Psalms of the psalmist saying, Lord, I can tell you anything. And dads, isn't that we want, what we want from our kids? We want them to feel like they can tell us anything and everything. There's a sense all throughout the Psalms of, Lord, you are always available. You listen to my delights. You listen to my distress. And dads, don't we want that for the kids in our lives? You accept me for what and who I am. You're consistently there when I need you. Those are the very definitions of what it means to be a friend, not a party buddy, a, a friend. And then from Psalm 145, verse eight, the scriptures say, the Lord is merciful and compassionate. The Lord is merciful and compassionate, slow to get angry, filled with unfailing love. That's the image of God, dads, that he intends our demeanor to convey to all the children in our lives. Mercy compassion, slow to anger, filled with unfailing love. That's everything it looks like for us to be a friend to the children in our lives. Next, God invites and challenges we dads to be supporter of all the children whom God has given us influence over. God says, look, your support of the children in your life is designed to mirror my support of you when you're going through life's most difficult challenges. And how many of us have felt those? Even today, some of us are going through stuff and we lean on the Lord. We feel almost in a tangible way his support and God says, that, dads, is what you're supposed to be with your kids. 
You see, very, very early in a child's life, they learn to recognize their inadequacy, their weakness, their frailty. God has amazingly wired up children in such a way that they can cope with life's difficulties when and if they have a person in whom they can rest, rely on, trust in, find strength in, seek counsel from. But what tears people down, children especially, is being overwhelmed with problems, trials, hardships, and then not having anybody to go to. Nobody to support them. I want you to imagine dads and men or fathers and father figures that you're helping one of your children, some child in your life, learn how to ride a bike for the first time without any training wheels, sans training wheels, they're off. You run alongside to stabilize your son or daughter, right? You can sort of picture it, allowing for the child to learn how to balance the bike by themselves. Imagine, however, in the process that you, as you're helping this very precious little child in your life, that you trip and you fall, you let go of the bike, the bike careens with the child on it, crashing, sending your precious cargo over the handlebars. There's blood and tears and bent handlebars. You'd look up and you'd feel as if you'd failed, wouldn't you? That's because dad's the way God wired us is we want more than anything our kids to trust that we'll be there, that they can always depend on us to support them as they learn the difficult task even of riding a bike. And dads and father figures and mentor fathers in just the same way, in every single area of life, big or small, children need you. They need a father, they need a father figure who can provide strength and support as they take every new step of growth and challenge. Next thing, dads, we're meant to be a companion to the children in our lives. David in the Psalms, Psalm 17 verse eight, prays this way. Keep me as the apple of your eye. And dads, we're not always the best at being communicative, are we? We're not always the best of letting our emotions come out of our mouths. Most of the time we just sort of stuff that, like, no, gotta be a man, gotta stuff that. But dads and men or fathers and father figures, we must go to great lengths to communicate to all of the children in our lives, whether they're part of our family or not part of our family, to communicate, over the top communicate, that you are absolutely crazy about your kids. You are absolutely crazy about the kids that God has allowed in your life. That you just simply enjoy more than anything being with them. That they matter. You know this. That there are so many kids in this world today who rarely, if ever, hear a word of encouragement or of affirmation. Some of you sitting in this room, you are those people. You grew up in a hard home with a hard father who never spoke encouragement or affirmation and you're still to this day looking for it. Dads, let's be people who go over the top to encourage and affirm our kids. Be an encouragement machine. One survey of parents revealed that moms and dads average 10 negative comments to their kids for every one positive comment. 10 negative to one positive. But experts in child psychology tell us it takes at least four positive remarks to offset the damage caused by one negative comment. Dads, let's become encouragement machines in the lives of the kids in our lives. Just get over the deal of not communicating your emotion. Just get over it, be done with it, put it down. And say, I'm just gonna start speaking life and encouragement and love and blessing over my kids 
And when you do that, whatever you do, will you be sure, be sure to tell your kids they measure up. Tell them and tell them and tell them and tell them and tell them you measure up. You are good enough. You are good enough. You are the apple of my eye. You do have a warm, special place in my heart that belongs just to you. Tell them again and again and again, you are so great. Two more and we'll finish forgiving. Part of God's job description for we dads, fathers, father figures, father mentors, is that we're forgiving. Stop holding grudges, dad. Be quick to forgive your kids. Remember what David knew of God. Psalm 145, verse eight. We already read this first. I'm gonna read it again. Dad's like, let this wash over you. The Lord is merciful and compassionate, slow to get angry, and filled with unfailing love. And guys, what we all know is that this growing up deal is incredibly challenging, isn't it? And dads, when we're honest, and we better be honest, we'd have to admit that when we were growing up, we made just as many, if not more, mistakes than our own kids do. Right, dads? Like, think back to the days when you were grumpy. Think back to the days when you were growing up when you were mischievous. Think back to all the days growing up when you were just flat the devil. Right, we just, like lots of us, we just flat rebelled, didn't we? And then hold that up, and then even in the face of the very worst stuff our kids throw at us, Choose instead to bless your kids. The ones in your family and the ones who aren't part of your family, bless them. Be patient with those children's sin. Be very quick to forgive. Don't hold past mistakes over their heads like a whip ready to crack. Forgive. Now, Dad, that doesn't mean that you're passive or indifferent. Great dads and great men or fathers, great father figures, great granddads all instill constantly wisdom and godliness and maturity into all of the children in their lives. But we do it through love. We do it through love. We don't do it through anger. We do it through love, not rudeness. We do it through love, not threatening. We do it through love, not criticizing. We do it through love, in love, not harshness. Last one. The Psalms teach us that a father is absolutely and entirely trustworthy. You think about the life of King David, what you know is that he spent most of his adult life fighting battles. And not like little interpersonal skirmishes, you know, a little tussle. This is like war, right? Fighting actual battles, swords and spears and bows and arrows and all of that. That means David again and again found himself literally face to face with the enemy who was out to kill him. And because that was true, David learned real, real early on where and in whom to place his confidence, and he writes about it. Psalm 20, verse 7. David says, you know, some of these guys out here on the battlefield, they're trusting in chariots and in horses. They're, they're trusting in the war machine of that day. And he says, but not us. We, God's people, we trust in the name of the Lord our God. It's him. We trust in him. David knew that his heavenly father was absolutely and entirely reliable. That means that what he said, he was going to do. He was never going to shirk his responsibility. He was never going to forget a promise. He was never going to blow it. What he said, he was going to do. And one of the very, very earliest things our kids ever learn is whether or not they can trust those who care for them. 
in their earliest years, children are constantly evaluating, can I depend on these people who are watching over me? And dad, that means as you influence children that we must, must, must be consistently trustworthy, consistently trustworthy in the lives of all the children in our lives, the ones who are part of our family and the ones who aren't part of our family. Because you see, that trust foundation is foundational for providing a stable environment for the kids in our lives. They want to know, they, they need to know, they've got to know that they can always rely on dad. They can always rely on grandfather. They can always rely on mentor, father, dad figure. And he's going to be truthful with me and he's going to be consistent with me and he's going to be dependable with me. I can bank on him. Our four daughters who we just visited in the Congo, they have very, very significant trust issues around food. It was the second biggest surprise of our time with them. Because of their past, their hardwired fear of not having enough food literally causes panic to well up inside of them that's almost impossible for me to describe to you. Dan and I saw it very, very early on within a couple hours of them being with us and we just sort of caught each other's eye and just resolved that because of their past, there was always going to be very large quantities of food on full display in our motel room. Anytime any of those four little sweet girls indicated they were hungry, they were gonna get anything that they pointed to because they can't ask yet or they might be able to ask. We can't understand what they're asking for, but they can point, okay. And I'd go to the grocery store every single day and when taxi man would safely return me from the store, I would parade these big yellow grocery bags from shop right in front of our girls and I would make a very big deal out of every single thing I pulled out of the bags. As I sort of put it all away, I'd hold up the flat of 30 eggs and go, look, look, we got eggs, and they have no idea what I'm saying, but they can see we got eggs, lots of them. Speaking of eggs, I'd scramble eggs every morning in our uh, motel room. There's a little kitchenette there. And uh, so I just decided, like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start with 15, and let's see how this goes. Four little girls, ages seven, five, three, and about one and a half, devoured 15 eggs. Like seriously, 15 eggs, you do the math, you know, that's almost four per kid. If I scrambled 30, they'd have eaten 30, but we thought we should save some for next time. And so when we were out of eggs, we'd go, okay, it's yogurt time now, or it's bread time now. Amazing appetites these little girls have. And I'd put all this stuff away. There was a little girl whose mom from the United States was also there doing the same thing we were. She was staying uh, up a few rooms, and she came in one day, and little Therese took her on like a, a food trip through our motel room. She would open cupboards and show her like, like, look, I don't know what exactly what they were saying, but there was a lot of pointing and jabbering amongst them like, whoa, whoa, look at all of that. Significant trust issues around food. And so we just said, okay, we're gonna help you with this. Now what are we doing by doing that for them? We're building trust, aren't we? At this really, really basic level, we're building trust with them. We're showing them that we're not going to betray the trust that you put in us to provide enough food for you each day at each meal. And so for us to betray that trust would be absolutely unthinkable, wouldn't it? And for you, dad, grandfather, men or father, father figure, for you and the kids in your life, it's probably not food-related trust that needs to be built or rebuilt. 
But maybe for you, it's around issues related to you keeping your word to your kids. Are you entirely trustworthy, Dad? Do your kids believe that about you? Do they know that about you? We've talked about these six qualities of fatherhood that God sort of desires from us as we parent his kids. And you can see him as an obstacle or you can see him really as an opportunity. Are you going to be a person of refuge? Are you going to be a friend? Are you going to be a supporter? Are you going to be a companion? Are you going to be forgiving? And are you going to be trustworthy? And my view is that those six traits are really an incredible opportunity for all of us men in general to reflect God to all of the kids in our lives. And here's the deal. If we as men and dads and father figures and mentor fathers and so, if we'll take up this challenge of living those out, not only will you be giving the kids in your life a powerful image of Father God, perfect, holy, righteous, just, but in the process, you'll be giving them yourself, a dad and a mentor father and a father figure whom your kids and the kids in your life will forever remember as being wise and caring and godly and loving and one who invested in them. And that really matters. Dads, you really, really matter. Take your stuff if you would and I just invite you to set it aside. I invite you to close your eyes and bow your heads and just interact with the Lord on what we've been talking about. bowed and eyes closed I want to talk to three different very specific groups of people here today the first one is you dads how is God speaking into your heart around those six things part of our job description is fathers from the Psalms maybe there's one that the Lord is just tapping you on the shoulder on saying it's that one or maybe it's a couple of them or maybe for some of us it might be all six of them that the Lord wants to sharpen us on and dads you're, you're busy and dads your life is complex and hard and challenging yes and so as you sort this with the Lord I don't want you to hear him just adding six more to do's to your list that's already over full and overwhelming but I think what the Lord is saying to those of us who he wants to sharpen in any of these areas is hey come along with me and I want to work on these with you so like in a real sense you can sort of sense the Lord putting his arm around you and saying come on let's walk this one out I want to help you with this one I want to grow you in this one you know your kids they, they really need this one and so we're just going to press into this together the Lord just doesn't throw it in your lap and then leave you to work it out he says no come on 
And if the Lord is asking you to come on with him into any of those six, will you just agree with him and say, okay. And maybe you just, in this moment, you put a stake in the ground and you drive it deep and you say, okay, Lord, I'm going with you. We're going to work on that one. And we're going to work on that one. And we're going to work on that one. decide that you're going to get better. You say, Lord, help me. Show me. Teach me. Shape me. And he will. Some of you, he's beginning to do that even right now. There's stuff falling away in your life that's keeping you from those six things. And the Lord's just saying, I'm just going to take this. I'm just going to deal with this. I'm just going to work this for you. next group of people I want to talk to is you men who have capacity to become a men or father for fathers in the field, just like the guys you saw in that video. Or you'd go seek to live out those six qualities with a little guy who needs a father figure in your life. I believe that God is tapping some of you on the shoulder right now and saying, why don't you do that? Don't leave this building without signing up, literally. Take the card out of the chair pocket in front of you and write your name and say, I want to be a mentor father for fathers in the field. Give us your phone number, your email. Go see the guys at the table out in the lobby on your way out, fathers in the field table, and just say, I'm in. And please don't let perfection be the barrier. Just to say, let's just all be honest. None of us are perfect. None of us are perfect. We all got stuff. And we got stuff, and the Lord still wants to use you in the lives of a young man who needs what you've got. Time and emotional energy and a desire to make an investment. And so go. Become a mentor father today, and we'll connect you up. Third group of people I want to talk to is single moms. Maybe you're a single mom and you've got a son and there's no father figure in the picture and you know you're just looking at your kid's life going like, oh man, what he needs, I don't have. And don't be embarrassed about that. Don't be shy about that. Just say, oh my gosh, there's a gift from God of this church and these men who want to help. And gratefully receive the partnership and that's what this is it's a partnership we're not just going to send your kid off with some strange guy you've never met we're going to form like Mark said an alliance we're going to come alongside you and we're going to come alongside your son in the discipleship of your kid we're just partners we're not replacing anybody we're just partnering with you and what God wants to do in the life of your family in the life of your son and so you single moms Will you take us up on the invite today? Grab one of those same cards out of the chair pocket and say, my son needs this. He's this old. Here's how we get a hold of him. Drop that in a silo or go see the people out at the table, fathers in the field table, and let us lock arms with you. We would count it our privilege. And so, God, we say to you, we're so, so grateful 
the example of fatherhood that you've set for us. And though, God, we as earthly dads, we look on your perfect example and, whoa, we're overwhelmed. How could we ever attain to that? God, we just take great confidence in knowing that it isn't us just deciding to do that, but it's you in us, taking us there, working this out in us, shaping our character so that as we pour into our kids, we are reflecting you. We are pointing the way to you. That we as earthly dads, we're actually representing you, our perfect heavenly father, as we parent these kids who really are simply on loan from you to us. And we take that very, very seriously. And we ask blessing and covering and protection and courage over every dad in this room, every dad within the hearing of my voice. Oh God, that you would use us to shape the very souls of our children in your image, Jesus. That they may be more like you because of what you're doing in and through us. We love you and we worship you, our God, our King, our Redeemer, our friend.